0: Well met, sir. I'll take these torches, uh, the 10-foot pole, mm, a flask of oil, and a week's iron rations. Three gold, please. Thank you. Can you direct me to the tavern? Three gold, please. Huh? Three gold, please. Oh, Bill, he's an NPC. His dialogue is limited. Three gold, please. It's Developing NPCs this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Three gold, please.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today.
2: Scott, Bill, how are you guys doing this evening? Fantastic. Off to a bumpy start, but I think we're
0: smooth sailing. I'm kind of pissed off. I only have two gold and ten silver. So, NPCs. (laughs) (laughs) Why are they important?
2: They're what populates the world outside of your player characters. So, if you have a table of five, six, or even seven player characters, the rest of the population of the planet is NPCs. Makes sense. They fill the world quest givers, their humble shopkeepers. Comedy relief. Comedy relief, yeah. Uh, the villains. Thieves, murderers.
0: Villains. <laughs> of course he goes there.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, somebody <laughs> asked. Or
2: Thieves and murderers, that is <laughs> yes. correct. Yes, thank you,
1: Lou,
0: for your,
2: for your input.
1: You're welcome. So, how do you determine their purpose?
2: Well, they could be anything from uh, background characters, you know, the uh, the inebriate in the corner of the tavern, the uh, the the bar wench, the barkeep, um, farmers or whatever, or they can be someone who's um, integral to your to your campaign,
0: your employer. Oh, they're uh, they're there to drive your your story point. Yeah, yeah, and to help keep people back on track, take them off the track they're on. Uh, they're there to give info, items, advice, training, training. That's always important. The training part. Yeah, they um, and
2: you have to kind of figure out where their place in the campaign is. Um, they could just be a wandering merchant, or they could be that that adventure hook that that you're waiting for. It could be that person who gives you all the essential information that is necessary to kind of. Um, jumpstart your your adventure for the evening or for the next several months.
0: Oh, They're also there to other hinder or misdirect the characters as part of the plot. Uh, they're also there, they like say, it's comedy relief. How many times have you had an old man with a, with a spoon attacking the paladin because he splashed mud on him, on his horse or something like that? They're... They like said they're everywhere, they're every other person in the world. Whether or not they're integral to the story, they're definitely integral to the campaign. Whether or not they drive your to the end that the characters are, are heading towards, because they're not just milling around the world, they are supposed to have a purpose. And whether or not the NPC is going to help hinder that that cause, they're there anyways they're co- they're the color they're the color that you know that do to, to give the theater of the mind they're the they're the palette that you use to paint the dark corners and the bright street lights and every other aspect of the world so determining why they are necessary or in
1: and when <clears throat>
2: Right, um, and that that goes back to uh, years ago. If you remember correctly, there was your, well, your character was influenced greatly by an NPC who had seemingly um, very little necessity in in the world, and that was the uh, um, the elderly paladin um, who had a secret locked up in his basement, and one of your your colleagues let that secret out, and that formed the catalyst for a campaign a couple years down the road.
1: Which was a good campaign, by the way.
2: So determining why they're necessary. They may seem unnecessary at a certain point in time when they're introduced, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't keep them in your back pocket for a number of play sessions and have them become a very
0: integral Part of of the campaign. Oh, I remember him. We met him back in this town way back when, and you know he he was prophesizing, and we all thought he was just a crazed loon on the corner. And lo and behold, here he is again, and now he has a massive following, and his prophecy seems to be coming true. Uh, reoccurring NBCs are fun.
2: Yeah, because they are able to, much like your characters are going to develop and they're going to grow throughout the uh, campaign. So when you come back to these NPCs that are reoccurring, well, it's only natural for them them to grow as well. So you have the example of the prophet, crazy guy on the corner. Well, now that crazy guy on the corner, like Bill said, he's got a following and he may be a potential threat. You know, that craziness could become a problem now that he's got a large number of individuals that are following his teachings or preachings, whatever you want to well, call it. Well, next thing
0: you know, they're calling him prior, and they're all wearing this particular garb, and there's a chance going up in the streets, and you hear it in every town, every tavern, every every corner, and it's, okay, that was the crazy dude from three years ago, and now the government's worried about him. Yeah, and you
2: could— very easily go into another town or city, and now there's these temples that are popping up so now his whatever his his religion or devotion is is now starting to uh gain momentum it's snowballing so it's they're erecting temples and the whatnot to this uh
0: so what do the characters the players remember from the first encounter? do they do they do they remember the the little seeds? Did two or three of them stand there and listen to him for a while because it was entertaining or while the rogue was going around picking pockets for the the twelve people that were listening at that time at that time, was anyone listening to what he was saying, and there may be something in those in that brief time that might be the the key, the clue the the hint that the party needs to maybe stop slow, redirect clarify what this prophet is now, you know, snowballing in beliefs. So the reoccurring NPCs are always a, a really, really fun thing to do. They are also there to give hints, uh, direction, whether it's vague, uh, very descriptive, misdirection, what's all together. just, oh, I know for a fact, I witnessed the whole thing. This guy's a pathetic, you know, pathological liar, uh, and every time you bump into him, he tells you something else, and and it, and he'll swear that it's it's gospel, you know, it, it's 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 the truth, hands down, and you find out he's lying again, or there's just a very
2: small kernel of truth in there, mm-hmm. that pops up that makes the PCs kind of a question: Well, is he is he lying or is he expounding upon something? You know where's the, where's that kernel of truth, and how, how dangerous or how profitable could that possibly be?
0: And another another way to make them necessary, because uh, is it actually driving a story point? Is there, like you said, a kernel of truth in in everything he says? So the, you know the the character or the NPCs that seem to know everything obviously do not, but they might know just enough to be useful. It makes sense. So you're pretty much
1: using them to help build the picture for your world and, and the plot line possibly.
0: Well, they're also yep. good to speed up and or slow down gameplay just in case. If if your ta- if your table's cranking through your adventure because on those rare occasions when they actually all do cooperate, they can plow through your, your scenario pretty quick. So throwing an, an NPC in there to kind of hinder him a little bit, whether it's as simple as, you know, the, the, the little kid going, help me, help me, uh, because he's trapped underneath, you know, a, a overturned cart, or it's an actual combat in the streets that they somehow get wrapped up in because, you know, it's a barroom brawl and someone hauls off and punches your cleric. Uh, more often than not, the fighter's going to stand up and going, no, I don't think so. Next thing you know, uh, 45 minutes later of gameplay, uh, it's all resolved and everyone leaves and has a drink and, oh boy, that was a good swing, but you, or they're sh-
2: all sitting in cell
0: or they're all sitting in a cell. Either way, you've slowed down the gameplay, gave them something, you know, fun to do. It's not story driven, but it's an, it's still part of the story. You never know what's going to come out of that as well. And it, it helps to manage your time as the game master.
2: And they could be uh, important people from the PC's background. And that's how you draw the uh, background of the player characters in, into the campaign as well. You could have someone who is mentioned in the background that's an antagonist or um, even just a uh, uh, an older sibling that the player has always, or the character has always tried to uh, keep up with, has always been in... In that person's shadow, you can have all of these background NPCs pop up throughout the campaign to to bring in the characters characters' background and their history to make that more tangible to not only the 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 player character but the other the other uh, player characters at the table.
1: So, what do you do when your table is working so well together? They have the blinders on and they really don't pay attention to your NPCs. How do you get them to draw into the NPC?
2: Um that's uh that's tricky because it, it happens a lot. Um where uh you know player players are surprisingly unsympathetic. You know, you could have the blind beggar on the street corner and uh they don't care. They're gonna they're gonna pass by that blind beggar who who could be uh full of boons for the characters and information. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in favor of, uh, going out and roughing up some orcs and, 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 and getting a big payday. Um, they're surprisingly selfish.
1: <laughs> so how do you fix it is what I'm, what I'm asking.
2: Well, um, you can't always fix it. You can have, uh, what I like to do is I'll have the person pop up periodically or I'll have them hear the same rumor periodically. Just a little differently. There's always going to be someone at the table. Um, uh, usually, usually the thespian or the tactician will pick up on that and go, "Oh, hey, wait a minute! Didn't we hear something similar in the last city we were in or the last town we were in?" Someone's going to pick up on that. Someone's going to start asking questions and getting some answers, and and that's how it happens. There's always going to be someone at your table. Um, that's going to like be paying really, really close attention. So when you throw those, throw those rumors or whatever, have you out from a different NPC, or even if it's the same one, traveling merchants are great for that. Someone's going to pick up on it. Someone's going to hear about it. You take that little rumor they heard maybe four game sessions ago, and now it's a little bit bigger. Things have moved along. You know, we use that profit as an example. Right, we're hearing about some prophet, some crazy guy who's walking around preaching. He's starting to build the following. Well, now, uh, now they have an encampment outside the city, and there's like a hundred of them. Well, we just heard about someone similar to that. I wonder if it's the same guy, but he didn't have anybody last time we heard. So you throw those out there periodically. Someone, someone's gonna, someone's gonna bite.
0: You can always transplant it too. If they go by the beggar, you can take the same exact dialogue and hand it to uh, a barmaid or the stable boy or the weapons, you know, the blacksmith and the weapons maker. You can can transplant your dialogue. Uh, If you have something that you need to pass on to the the characters, it can be passed on by any NPC. you're, You're the rest of the universe. They're just their character sheet. So if you have something important to pass on, you can always pass it on. You just need to pass it on through somebody else. That makes sense. So
1: um, with their motivations and how do, you, how do you determine what the NPC's motivations are going to be and their personality? You know, are they – how do you determine all that?
2: Um, it can be very simple. What's the, uh, what's the general – the owner of the general store's motivation? Well, that's to sell product and make money. Easy. Villains are a little trickier. That's a whole episode's worth of, of, of stuff um, on villains. So in a couple weeks. Stay tuned. Stay, yeah, <laughs> stay tuned. Um, a little bit of thought. Um, if, for example, you have an NPC that is uh, a retainer, he's being hired by the uh, the party, to kind of augment their, their fighting ability or, 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 you know, magic or whatever. Um, give some thought. Why would, why would someone, um, willfully seek employment that is potentially deadly has a very, very, very good chance of ending in death or serious injury. Um, why would someone do that? Maybe there's a, um, a sick spouse at home or a sick child, um, Maybe they've uh, spent so much time in warfare and combat that they have uh, no other skill set available that is worth any sort of money, or they just they don't function well anymore in society, so they're not going to be a, a woodcutter. Um, they're not going to – they can't effectively be a farmer um, Maybe someone it, it,
0: it boils down to don't make them carbon cocky, carbon copies. Sorry, old-timer reference. Replicants. I can still smell the mimeograph solution. Um, they need to be different between one and the other. Now, some are going to be helpful. Some are going to be uh, aggravating as all hell, devious, clueless, deceptive. Mix it up. To Scott's point, they need to be different. Just don't make them, you know, it shouldn't have the same voice. I am your NPC. I am the stable boy. How you doing? I'm your your barmaid. Comes down to personality too. Uh, Yeah, I'm your barmaid. What can I get for you? All right, click here if you're not a robot. Um, They should not be three gold, please. (laughs) (laughs) They 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 need to be different. You need to throw some personality. And like I said, you talked quite a bit on motivations. You also need the personalities. Uh, They're going. You're going to walk up on somebody who just had a bad day. He's going to be um, combative, not necessarily aggressive, but not helpful. You don't know why. That's one thing that you have to keep in mind with your NPCs. You know the NPC's backstory, even if it's just a quick thought. The characters, the players do not. uh, They don't know what's going on in this person's head. Now, if they ask, they might get it. Sorry, I had an argument with my wife this morning. I am really pissed off. I will not sell the horse, and I am certainly not going to put on another section of the house for her mother. Ain't happening. Just, you don't know the backstory. You don't know what's why they're pissed off. Now, they might just turn around and get all pissed off and go murder hobo on you um, and, and kill the stable hand. Not that that's ever happened in our. At games, all. Ever. Ever. Um, Lou. Louis. <laughs> He's not here right now. Please leave a message.
1: <laughs> Beep. <laughs>
0: The whole thing is make them different. Give them personalities. All right. The motivation's there. Scott gave you a whole bunch of motivations. Now mix a personality along with it. Sounds yeah. good. Now,
1: have you guys any ever taken any people from the real world and made them your NPCs?
0: All the time. Constantly and consistently. All the time. It's a real easy way to do your your NPCs too is emulate someone you know. The body emotions, the voices, the characters, the the nuances of that person. Because you know them. You see them all the time. It could be a family member, someone you work with, someone you like, someone you dislike. Uh, emulate that person. It's it, You'll find it amazingly easy. Uh, and it's fun as hell. Makes sense.
2: I had a uh, an NPC in a superhero campaign that was a delivery guy. And he was, a, he was a pizza delivery guy that was uh, roommates with one of the sidekicks. And uh, I modeled him after a kid I hung out with in high school who was always just kind of, he was perpetual motion, swaying back and forth. He always had a shit-eating grin on his face. It's like he was constantly scheming. Teachers couldn't stand him because he was constantly scheming. <laughs> You know, he was always, he, you know what I'm saying. Know what I'm saying. Know what I'm saying. And he was the perfect MPC for my pizza delivery guy, perfect. And I even, I even described him, like straight out of the uh, the yearbook, down to the teeny weeny little mustache he had.
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Another way is copy famous personalities. It it'll be fun because see if anyone picks up on it but try to do the voices. I mean some of them are are very obvious if you do like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or or something like that. I mean some of them are very obvious. But that's the whole point. Make them obvious, pull them over the top and and let them and and let the characters have fun with it.
2: And now let's take a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're back.
1: And welcome back. Um well, I got a, I got a question for you. We're going to challenge you a little bit. Let's create an NPC. Somebody who lives in the swamplands. Okay,
0: um, that, that, where, where's the challenge wait, part? That, that, that's not on our script.
1: That's okay. Let's show the people what we can do.
2: All right. So he lives in he lives in the swamplands. She, she. she lives in the swamplands. Yep. Okay. She lives in the swamplands. Bill, uh, old lady, old lady.
0: Okay. Um, she does not live in a shoe. Uh, let's see. NPC uh, off the trail. Um, there is a sign on the trail with an arrow points towards a a pathway, and it says uh, potions and herbs for sale.
2: So she's a human, or maybe she's a half-elf, but you can't really tell because she's very human-like in appearance. A lot of people think she's got some fairy origin, but she's an elderly woman who's been elderly as long as people can remember. So grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, they all remember her because she was the person they went to when someone was sick.
0: Um, Missy.
2: Missy. Missy. Not really her real name. No. Nobody not, but, really knows what her real name is. Well, it,
0: it's Miss something or other, but no one could ever pronounce the last name, so it just became Missy.
2: Which lends to kind of the alien mystery of the old woman. So what do you suppose she looks like?
0: Um, Probably... Fairly decent clothes, but older. Patched a few times. Still, I mean, not dirty, not ragged, but just worn.
2: Uh, Gray, almost bluish hair, but it's up in a tight bun. Mm -hmm. With pins in it or needles or something, but they could almost be bones, too.
0: Probably carved, little scrimshaw on it.
2: With runes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, runes having something, uh, some mystical value. Perhaps it's what she uses to prepare her her tinctures or her salves
0: or something. Slowly drawing one from her hair to stir the concoction. And as she wipes it off on, on a little rag, carefully puts it back into her bun, almost in exactly the same spot from which it came. She's got a
2: long hooked nose. And despite being very old and weathered looking, her eyes are very bright and young.
0: Weathered hands, but extremely dexterous
2: despite having large knuckles and joints mm-hmm. that almost look arthritic.
0: But manicured nails.
2: Long, pointed manicured, manicured, manicured nails. It's a good start. Yeah.
1: Yes, it is. Um, so now what do we do with her? Now we, we said she makes potions. How do we get the, the NPCs up to her to visit her?
2: Well, uh, someone... Of noble birth has a child, maybe their son, daughter, a favored niece or nephew that has contracted a disease, but a disease that's not one of those diseases that a cleric can cure or a paladin. It's a disease of a magical nature from some sort of magical energy. It's not a disease of the body that is easily cured by someone with the power uh, uh, of the gods. So she is someone who's been ever-present, and perhaps she is the one that holds the key to curing this, this ill child.
0: Oh, for weeks on end, uh, clerics, druids, spellcasters of all sorts have come to try to take care of the, the disabling uh, issue with the child. So, yeah, and she has always been the one that, you know, the, all the midwives have always sworn by her. If there's something going wrong, go see Missy. Miss, Missy will take care of you. If anyone else can, can help, it's Missy.
2: But for some reason, she has always been reluctant to assist with the needs of the nobility. Mm. So there's something in her past that has kind of soured her to the nobility.
0: The mention of them, the, the eye squint. The nose wrinkles, one corner of the lip curls up almost in a sneer. Doesn't quite spit on the ground, but looks like she wants to.
2: And money is not a motivator.
0: Not whatsoever.
2: Her situation is exactly where she wants it to be, and exactly the way she likes it.
0: So, Missy, hooked nose, long nails. Bright eyes. Bright eyes. Clean clothes. Little Warren. meets the party.
3: What can I get for you?
2: The party's naturally going to ask for some sort of tincture or salve to help them cure this ailing child.
3: None of you look like children.
2: We're working for the nobility. Such and such, Prince Harold of Kwan.
3: Harold, you say? Harold. Is he son of Glenn?
2: Glenn is Harold's great-great-grandfather, long dead.
3: Oh, I, I, I'm not too sure I have what's necessary.
2: So now we have a problem. So the PCs can turn around and walk away, but that's no fun because then you're sitting around eating Doritos and Hot Pockets all night, right? That's not why we came here. So now there's a need to develop her backstory. Well, why? Why Why is it she doesn't have anything that he needs, but if the child was a commoner or a peasant, she would probably rush to their aid and accept nothing in payment except for perhaps a half a dozen eggs or some some vegetables or some milk or whatever have you. So now we have to develop her backstory, right? So, why is there a need or why was there a reason for her to ask of Glenn, whoever this Glenn person is? So, Glenn is someone who's lived a long, long, long time ago, which speaks to the vast age of, of this Missy person. So, she's far older than most humans are able to attain. Um, But why is it she has such a strong dislike for this particular nobleman?
3: Glenn made a promise and never fulfilled his end of the bargain.
2: That bastard. It's always a promise unfulfilled. So what was the promise? What can we do with the promise? The promise could have been a hand in marriage. The promise could have been a, a union between his family, and Missy's people. Perhaps he betrayed an entire people, and she is the last one that's left.
3: These lands around me have been in my care for some time. Glenn was supposed to give me these lands as far as I could see. But none, nothing but this little stamp of land... In this cottage I live in I can call my own.
2: So the land was taken from her. Perhaps she has a a a bond with the land. Much of the same way a druid would but, but something far deeper, something on on uh, a much deeper level, like her her people or her race of people were bonded to the land. And she had been Um, betrayed or forcibly removed from it and relocated to this patch of swamp that nobody seems to want.
3: All I ask for, if I was to do this for you, this child, this child that seems so precious, bring me one finger from this child.
2: Oh. Oh. Things just got really dark. Just a little bit. So now, of course, there's the problem. Most uh, most people would be reluctant to give up a digit from one of their children. But perhaps, perhaps with, if it's a matter of life or death, a finger would would be reasonable. Sacrifice a finger to save the whole body. But what is the finger for? So the PCs may not know that because she may be reluctant to tell them. And that finger may be something that's necessary for her to correct the wrong that was done to her by uh, this Glenn person, this ancestor of, of the prince. So now we have, now we have a, an adventure that led to another adventure that led to another conundrum for the, um, for the players and their characters to potentially solve.
3: I'm terribly sorry if I've left you all in a state of confusion. But I have needs that need to be met. And so do you. I propose you take my offer back to the parents of this child and see whether they're willing to fulfill my needs
2: so when the when the pcs return and they lay it all out for them the parents or the advisor to the parents may be aware of what her goals are so it may be a matter of we're gonna have to sacrifice the life of the child because greater things could happen if she was in possession of this finger or this part of this child because there could be a larger ritual that would lay a curse upon the land or, or or something so now you have you have like a moral quandary among the pcs especially if you have a a PC of lawful good alignment uh, like a paladin where that could be a really 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 big problem for them to solve sorry to do this to you Jared <laughs>
1: I was just thinking the same thing. What would the
0: paladin do?
2: Yeah, and and that's the stuff that builds tension and and makes the game the game good.
0: Now it's all it is is an old man or an old woman in a swamp. But now you have one little story in a matter of moments that is now on 3 and or 4 levels. Just from an NPC and a brief encounter. Yeah. And a conversation that would have lasted 10 minutes. So your NPCs uh, are powerful, powerful things.
2: To drive story and, and, and story arcs. Because you could, of course, just uh, have them sit down outside and uh, watch the frogs jump while she makes the tincture and they get on their horses and they ride back.
0: No, the barbarian's going to cut down a tree just because it's there. Yeah. And that's
2: Boring. Right. But instead they encounter someone with a much deeper backstory
0: and their own motivations. And then what does, what does the party do while yeah. they're there before they even go back? Does the spellcaster try to charm her? Does the barbarian try to bully her? Does the thief steal half of the stuff that's in the house or try? Cause that, that reconstructed skeleton of the rat is really cool. Um, does the cleric try to cajole and bribe her or try to discern? There, That conversation that we just had in a matter of a few moments could literally eat up the entire evening.
2: And regardless of what they try to do, this seemingly feeble elderly woman has the upper hand. The barbarian can intimidate all he wants, but without her... Nothing's going to be made. The thief can steal all he wants, but without her, the thief's not going to know what what combination of what to put together to make this thing. The priest can control her and, and use the uh, threat or promise of a god's favor or ill favor, but if she's a creature that's bonded to the land, she probably doesn't care
0: wizard is trying to charm her, but she's so elderly and old in her age that her mind is so set that charming her will not work.
2: And maybe those hairpins with all the runes on it are something that is a totem or whatever that prevents such a thing from happening or gives her advantage.
0: Protective totems and or spells. And she's in her lair. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Oh. Would you like some tea?
0: So, I mean, that's a quick instance that we just kind of pulled off the top of our heads. The NPCs drive your story. The NPCs fill your world. And the NPCs are everything that the, the players are going to run into. The characters are driven by, hindered by, assisted, deluded by, the NPCs, the NPCs are everything, and that's
2: how we develop our NPCs. That's going to conclude this
1: episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.